G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. Yeah, I just remember uh, there was one time when I was, you know, pretty heavy into this lifestyle of uh, drugs and alcohol, and um, I came home from a big um, party bender, and uh, Dad brought up the courage to sit me down and have a chat, and he said, "Ah." Oh, you know, I know what's going on and, you know, I just want to let you know that there's a better way and that you don't have to live this lifestyle anymore. So you let me know when you need some help. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, recently, Helen Marsh was our guest and shared her story, which basically told how she gave up her baby for adoption when she was only 14 years old and then was reunited with her daughter 29 years later. Then we heard from her son, Jeff Marsh, who shared how his life spiralled out of control due to heavy drinking. And he reached his lowest point when he was separated from his son, Daniel. But later, he gave his life to the Lord and became the founder of a ministry to broken people called Elisha Care. Today, we have his son, Daniel, the third generation of Marshes, who has a story all of his own. He's having a chat with Eric Scatterbo. Daniel, welcome to the program. Thanks, Eric. Really happy to be here. So this is the third generation. We had your grandmother telling her story, then your dad, and now you three generations of Marshes. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And you heard all of the stories. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Heard Nan's and Dad's stories. And of course, your grandmother wrote about her story in the book called Up Out of Egypt, which mentions also your dad. Yeah, yep. Have you read this book? I have. That is the correct answer. Otherwise, you'd be in trouble with your grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) So... Were you learning a bit when you were hearing these interviews? Yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard Dad share his story mm-hmm. um, quite a few times now, and um, I learned something new every time he shares. And your dad shared that when you were growing up, he had visitation rights to you every other weekend. Is that right? Because your parents were separated? Yeah, that's right. Um, Dad would be able to see me every second weekend and um, every now and again during the week also. So that was your childhood? kind of being split between two parents? Yeah, yeah, all the way up until I was probably 18, 19, you know, when okay. I became an adult, yeah. So what was that like? Yeah, it's very challenging um, because, you know, um, every time Dad and I would spend precious time together, um, he would take me quite often to swimming pools or um, or the gym and we'd sort of muck around there and, um, it was very hard every time I had to say goodbye to dad and, um, we both usually cried and, um, mm. yeah, it hurt a lot every time we, um, we parted ways. And then also there was a contrast between your dad who was full on as a Christian and getting deeper in his faith. And then what was your home life like? Yeah. Um, it was, it was different. So the contrast, um, I could see the contrast between the two families, um, I'd go to dad's and, and we'd go to church every Sunday and go to Sunday school. And I saw the differences in, in the values, um, I guess, of the two households that I sort of went to and from. So the basic difference was he was full on for the Lord and mm. your mother and stepfather were non-religious? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they didn't have religion in their lives. Mm. Yeah, so the, I guess the values uh, were different there. That must have been a bit confusing. 
you know, for one parent, this is all very important, and for another, it's not. Yeah, it was, um, and quite often, um, you know, I would share with with mum about church and things like that, and um, yeah, she sort of, we didn't really talk about it together. So, kind of a split life. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, and then how did your childhood go in general? I uh, went really, yeah, it went pretty well, Eric. Um, you know, I was brought up. I mean, in two loving families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I had my own struggles, though, with my self-worth through some incidents that happened. Um, and um, so I was struggling um, just with my identity mm-hmm. um, for a long time. Which um, is ironic because your dad struggled with having a low self-worth as well. That yeah. was part of his challenge. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. H- had you ever chatted with him about that or just never came up? Oh, yeah, not back then. Um, we've chatted about it in recent times. We don't want to get ahead of the story, but yeah, yeah. So, so here you were kind of struggling with, ironically, the same kind of issue that your dad went through of just not feeling that he had a lot of worth. Yeah, and it was just, uh, you know, just uh, I really wanted to be accepted, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was a struggle for me, mm-hmm. just with acceptance. And spiritually, where were you at at this point in your life, going into your teen years? Well, um, you know, as I mentioned, um, so I'd go to church and and start going to youth group every second weekend, and I, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't draw close to Him, and and I sort of held my distance from wanting to know Him more. And most of my friends at school, you know, were non-religious too, so there was it. There was that sort of double life, I guess. Yeah, so you would be kind of tugged one yeah. way when you were with the church group, but tugged another way other times. Yeah. But you did have a spiritual experience at a youth camp? Yeah, when I was in my early teens, um, yeah, just had a, a powerful moment with the Holy Spirit. And um, it's something I'll never forget. But unfortunately, um, from that sort of moment, I didn't draw near to the Lord either. What's the best way to put it? I I still felt a bit rebellious against mm. wanting to know Him more. Okay, so kind of like you dipped your toes in the water, but you didn't dive in. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And of course, this whole confusion of having this two different lives going on. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that was probably part of the big um, reason why I didn't sort of step in more is because, you know, the majority of my life, the the people surrounded in my life were non-religious. And so, again, I, I with my self-worth issues, I sort of felt as if, I needed to act a certain way Mm. to people. um, To be accepted? To be accepted, yeah. And so where did that yearning to be accepted, where did that lead you? Uh, Yes, in in sort of the middle of high school, I started hanging out with um, people that started experimenting with um, parties and and alcohol, and then that soon got into sort of things like drugs after that. Oh, so it accelerated pretty quick? Yeah, it did, yeah. it wasn't long after I started going to parties that I started getting introduced to drugs. So did you stop going to church the second weekends when you were with your dad? I did, actually, yeah. Um, wow, that must have broke his heart. I, I, I thought, I was, yeah, well, it probably did. And mm. um, I didn't realize at the time that it would have affected my family so much that I stopped. But got to a point where I thought I was too cool for church mm. and that I had this lifestyle where it was conflicting with mm. the values of church. 
Yeah, I, I just remember uh, there was one time when I was, you know, pretty heavy into this lifestyle of uh, drugs and alcohol that um, I'd arrived home. I'd been living with my dad just for a short time, for about a year or two, when I was about 20, 21. And um, I came home from a big um, party bender and uh, dad brought up the courage to sit me down and have a chat. And I didn't realize at the time that he knew about the, the the drugs and things like that, but he, you know, he worked with people like yeah, yeah, like myself, so yeah. he knew. And he sat me down out the front, and he said, "Ah, oh, you know, I know what's going on, and you know, I just want to let you know that there's a better way, and that you don't have to live this lifestyle anymore. So you let me know, you know, when you need some help." So he planted that seed. Yeah, and at the time I was quite resistant mm-hmm. to this, and and I I was a bit embarrassed that he knew deep down what was going on but I, I thank him I thank him for for that courage that he could sit me down as a father and have that chat with me back then what was your relationship with your grandmother Helen uh, I loved Nan from day one and um, just a beautiful lady that loved her family so much and uh, loved her grandchildren and children so um, Nan was a big support for me for mm. you know since I was since I was very young since I remember, really. Mm. What was your relationship when you were going through this rebellious period and the drugs and everything? Yeah, it was it was an interesting one um, because I knew that Nan disapproved mm. of my lifestyle, and I could see it in her face every time we met up. And I remember this um, this one moment when we were, uh, ironically, at, at her son Brett's wedding, which was my dad's brother, who mm. unfortunately um, took his own life, and. Uh, I remember that the night before, I think I had an all-nighter out on the town and I didn't sleep before the wedding. And wow. I, I, Yeah, I got to the wedding and I was um, just in another world, you know, because I'd been on drugs and things like that. And my dress code and hygiene was way below, <laughs> probably. What normally somebody would have at a wedding, is that what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I had that uh, don't care aspect hmm. about the way I sort of presented hmm. and um, Nan came up to me and I, you know I, she said oh are you looking after yourself and um, just that disapp- she probably knew the answer but she asked yeah. it nonetheless and the, the, probably the, the look in her face of just disapproving of uh, where where things were headed for me hmm. and where were things headed for you where did this all lead it led to uh, a young boy that was non-caring and disrespectful and just to a place of um of nothing really you're listening to the story today eric scadabo is chatting with daniel marsh and as we've been hearing his life sank deeper and deeper into the drugs and party lifestyle This is quite ironic because his father, recent guest, Jeff Marsh, is the founder of a ministry that helps people recover from drug addiction. Next, we'll find out how Daniel's life turns around and how he is now helping people with his father. That and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. 
Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with Eric Scadabo chatting with Daniel Marsh. He's the son of recent guest Jeff Marsh, who's the founder of Elisha Care, a ministry that helps people with addictions to recover. This is ironic because, as we heard before the break, Daniel himself was beginning to have a drug problem of his own, and he was sinking deeper and deeper into the party lifestyle. But now we're going to find out what happened next in his life. I met my um, future wife-to-be, um, Alina, at a pub we were working at. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was a time of crisis in the sense that the lifestyle was completely out of control. But then meeting this girl that would end up being the, my wife. So you marry, you go on your honeymoon, everything seemed to be looking better for you at that point? Yeah, so we were together for quite a while um, and we travelled overseas together and um, we had some ups and down times um, and we were still partying pretty hard throughout those years. And then we um, we got married and um, things had slowed down and we'd become a little bit more responsible in life and we, we saved up some money, we bought our own property. So getting a little more mature in your older years? I'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah, and being responsible. Yeah, being responsible and a little bit more reliable mm, in life yeah, as well yeah. to others. And so we had this beautiful time where um we got married and um my dad actually married us, which was, was really right? it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. One of the best moments of our lives, you know, yeah. especially having him up there. Mm-hmm. And uh we went away to the Philippines for a beautiful honeymoon. <laughs> And it was only a week or so after we got back that I, I found out um, I'd been trying to pursue a career in the police force mm-hmm. um, for quite a while, and um, and that got knocked back, you know, just through through a reason. And um, so it was bittersweet, I guess. Um, it should have been the most beautiful time in my life, mm-hmm. and then to hear that news was a little bit um, sour, but. It was about a week later after we got home, uh, I got invited by some of the guys around Dad's organisation, Elisha Care, to go to a um, a church called Cafe Care in Clayton. And uh, so I went along there. And Had you hung out with the guys from Elisha Care before this? Yeah, I'd been hanging out with them for maybe a year or two. And from the moment I, I started to hang out with these, these guys... I just saw something different hmm. in their lifestyle and I saw something different in the way that they wanted to do life and I, it was really appealing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I I was here with them at Cafe Care and um, my dad was up just sharing about, you know, Elisha Care and some of the people involved, some of the, the miracles that have been happening and he looks he looks over at me spontaneously and says, Dan, would you like to come up here and share something? Now, had you shown any interest in spiritual things before that? I mean, how did he know? Well, I hadn't shown any anything. Yeah. Uh, I, I, would, I would say it was the Holy Spirit just sharing with him that it might have been time for something to happen. Mm. Something had to give you. But he invited you up to speak publicly, mm. not knowing... What was going on inside of you? Were you tearing up? Was he seeing something? He must have been because I I didn't hesitate at all and just wow. yeah, pretty much ran up there, I guess. Is that right? 
Well, yeah. what was going on in your heart at that point? Uh, there was just a stirring, and it's it's really indescribable, actually. Mm. Yeah. Um, this this stirring I had going on in, in my spirit. Because he's taking a chance. Because you could say, "No, there's nothing going on, Dad. What, what, what are you talking about?" <laughs> right? He could. He yeah. Could have. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. I know. It was and, a kind of a gamble on his part. Yeah. So, and so I I ran up there, yeah. Eric, and and I I just started. I started really tearing up straight mm-hmm. away, and I, I started shaking and trembling, and I didn't even know what I was going to share about. But really? I just started talking. You, you walked up there not knowing, no, what you're going to say, no, no. And I think just the Holy Spirit just spoke through me, and I just started sharing about where life was at for me, and you know, sharing that I should be really full, but I wasn't, and I was empty. I was empty inside, and. That I wanted to, I wanted to make a step, you know, pursuing Jesus. Yeah, something gave that 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 night, and uh, I put my hand up to say, "Lord, I I want to know you, and I'll I'll do what it takes to get close to you." Wow! And how old were you at this point? Well, I think I was about twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at so, that point, newly married, mm. and now a, a new life in the Lord, mm. and then. How did your wife react to all this? Yeah, she uh, she was really good about it. Um, so probably after I'd sort of committed myself to Jesus, she had been open-minded, but also closed off, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, she she didn't really want to know much about it all, but she was happy for me to pursue this, this way of life. And praise to the Lord, it was only about six months ago where she, she said, I want to pursue this too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she put her faith in the Lord as well? Yeah, yeah. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, and it was not through me, you know, Is that right? nagging her or anything like that. It was, she saw something in people that, that had Jesus in their life. And uh, so it was through it was through the actions of, of people where she started um, wanting to know more. Wow, more that's answers. fantastic. Mm. And so one night... I was praying after work at a Bible study and um, someone had given me a, a bit of a prophetic word about Alina, my wife, mm-hmm. that she was going to bring one of her best friend to Jesus. And at the time I thought, wow, that's crazy because... She's not even a Christian herself at that point. Is yeah, that right? that's right. Yeah. And sort of in the probably the week leading up to that moment, uh, I'd been getting um, convictions in, in my spirit to just to share with her, not hold back, mm-hmm. and go home and share with her um, the truth. Mm-hmm. So I, I went home that night after the Bible study, and I sat her down and held her hand and said, do you want to know more about Jesus? And I didn't know what to expect, and she said yes. Wow. So the Lord was working on her separate yeah. from you. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. It was a precious moment, Eric, and... I guess it's her journey, and I'm not, I'm not um, trying to put things on her. Mm-hmm. I'm just watching the Lord work in her journey, which is precious, and yeah, He's doing things for her too. That's fantastic. And speaking of your journey, mm. your journey takes you all the way to now, working with your father. How did he react when you started to come back to the Lord and spiritual things and rededicate your life? Ah. Uh, just with pure joy, pure joy and thankfulness to the Lord for, for answering the prayers. 
that they prayed. But uh, wait, there's more. You decide, hey, Dad, I want to work with you. Is that right? Yeah. One day, um, my dad, Brad, and I were just having a chat at the fire station. I think I had a day Who, off. Who's work. Brad? Uh, Brad's another great guy that, that's uh, part of the Lost Care community. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I was on a day off work, came down just to hang out with the guys. And I said, oh, I wonder if I should get involved one day. I'd sort of been a bit uncertain about my future. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brad Brad sort of looks over with excitement and goes, oh, yeah, yeah there's, there's a spot for you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Dad and I are looking at each other going, whoa, this is a bit out there. Um, but I think deep down we both thought it was just a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, just it was a slow progression. Um Dad didn't, yeah, Dad, it didn't happen straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, Dad and I sat down and had, had some coffees together and just chatted over a few visits. And, um, you know, we had some precious moments then actually um, where we cried together and, um, you know, Dad just shared what he thought was the best for my life. Mm-hmm. And, and I shared, we, we shared about the past as well and, mm-hmm. and there, was real, there was some real healing there actually from the past um, in those catch-ups. Yeah. Well, he just must be thinking his cup's full to overflowing. I mean, he's happy that you've come back to the Lord, but now doing ministry together, helping Mm. others. Tell us what you're doing now as far as helping people. Yeah, so uh, when I first started um, working with Lush Care, um, I just jumped in in a gardening team. Because that's what you do to help uh, people recover, to get them busy doing something, gardening and landscaping. Yeah, so we we send um, guys out doing building maintenance jobs, Mm -hmm. um, which is fantastic. And when I first started, I think we only had probably three or four guys. And now we have anywhere between eight to 12, 13 guys at any one time. Yeah. And um, yeah, so my first day, I remember working with, with Dad and Danny Sharp, actually, mm-hmm. ironically. Yep. And we went out and we did some gardening. Danny Sharp, of course, a recent guest who has a story all his own. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just loved hearing about his story as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it was just so different working with these guys because they love drinking coffee. So <laughs> it wasn't go, go, go. And uh, we chatted about real things in life when we were working together. Yeah. You know, which was so different. They say that's when guys do their best talking, usually when they're doing something, accomplishing something. Yeah, yeah. And and when you uh, accomplish something um, that has real worth, yeah. um, you, leave, you leave the day feeling really full. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably one of the best things about this ministry is that when we work together, we get some real healing through um, talking to each other and praying for each other uh, through the day. And you've seen, like your own story, you've seen others completely go from bad situations, alcoholism, seemingly hopeless, Mm. and you've seen them turn their lives around as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll I'll share um, an example story. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Alina, my wife and I, um, one of our best friends, Amy, she was going through a hard time two years ago and um, she'd actually yeah, been missing for a week or two and mm. she'd hit a real low point in her life. And we'd recently um, 
just started um, working with a guy named Brett who had just come to us mm. and he'd come out of a drug problem. And he was such a great guy and um, was really looking for a new way of life and was just thriving after that and accepted the Lord into his life. And one night, we were just having a, a praise night and um, stories night for people that wanted to come and, and hear some of the guys' amazing stories. And they both met up there and um, just started started uh, hanging out more and, <laughs> and connected and really liked each other. Mm-hmm. And um, two years down the track, they're getting married in a couple of weeks. So they're happily together, and it's just an amazing story. So they're um, both Christians now? Yeah. Both gave their lives to the Lord. Mm. Yeah, and they just have such hope and purpose in their life now together. So just one of the stories, one of the many stories that you come across yeah. in the Elijah Care ministry. Yeah, yeah, there's there's plenty of amazing stories. Any final comments to wrap up our conversation? Uh, it's I been guess, quite a journey. Yeah, I guess um, just throughout so much confusion in life um, growing up, I've found so much um, truth to life mm. now, Eric, that, that Very the healing. Lord... Oh, so much healing uh, that the Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And you want to point people to Him. Yeah. Yeah, and we try and point people to Him just through love. Amen. Well, it sounds like some fantastic things are happening there at Elijah Care. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Uh, Thanks, Eric. It's been great. That was Eric Scatterbo chatting with Daniel Marsh, who is the son of recent guest Jeff Marsh, the founder of a ministry that helps people with addictions to recover called Elisha Care. Now they both work together there, father and son helping others to recover. And we also recently heard from Daniel's grandmother, Helen Marsh, who was a guest and shared her story. So now we've heard three generations of Marshes share their stories, all of them going through various struggles in their lives, but then they all put their faith in the Lord And now he is using them in amazing ways. A wonderful example of how God uses some of the most unlikely people to do some of the most remarkable things in his kingdom. As the Bible says, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. To find out more about Elisha Care, their website is elishacare.org. That's elishacare.org. Well, thanks for joining us for the third generation of Marsha's Stories. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. For me, being at Elijah Care was, after hearing those stories, it was like I really wanted to go there. And it was, something was compelling me to go there. And yeah, I'm enjoying it. My life has changed where anxiety's going. There's something, I just really feel positive being there. Cameron Harvey was in the depths of addiction when he heard some interviews of former addicts sharing how God had turned their lives around. These interviews touched him so deeply that he contacted the founder of the ministry mentioned and began his road to recovery. We'll hear Cameron's inspiring story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.